What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Favalli, coming at you with another Hardwood Knox NBA look ahead. Not previews, not outlooks, not outlines. These are bougie or more in-depth or something because they're called look-aheads instead of previews. I'm excited, not only because we're on to the Portland Trailblazers, but I get to talk to one of my favorite people in the world, a, f- a friend of the podcast, a very frequent guest of the podcast at this point. You might be up to double-digit appearances by now. Tara Bowen Biggs, she's the host of the We Have a Take podcast. I would encourage you to check out that podcast. But first, follow Tara on Twitter immediately, at T-C-B-B-I-G-G-S. And she's called T-Mom. That's what she calls herself on Twitter. That's just a fantastic name. And you can follow the We Have a Take podcast at We Have a Take, spelled exactly as it sounds. What's also fun about that podcast, among many other things, is you can call it the What Podcast. If someone asks you what you're listening to, just say what, and it can you could probably have an awkward conversation like that. Tara, welcome back. Thank you for coming on. The most important question I will ask, how the heck are you? Hi, Dan. I'm so happy right now because I'm talking to you. I'm going to be talking about the Blazers. It's a gorgeous fall day. Just everything is high right now. Well, not everything is high right now. I have to go places after this. But we are (laughs) feeling good, and I am ready to talk Blazers. And like I said before, it's always a thrill to talk to you. I love talking to you about the Blazers and basketball. So you can ask me to come on as many times, and as long as your listeners will tolerate it, I will be there. They love it. And they know too, based on some of the questions that I got for you specifically, they, they know, which is great. Okay. And isn't this a great time of year in the sense that I'm not really a big fall weather person overall, but the optimism leading into the NBA season, I've even noticed it with myself this year. I'm going through team win totals in every outlook that I've done or look ahead, excuse me. I'm smashing the over without regard for like how that really can't work out. It's just a, everyone has gained 10 pounds of muscle while losing percentages of body fat. It's a glorious time of year. It is. It's the best time of year. I love it. And I was just thinking about it today and I was on my walk and I was enjoying the weather part of it also, but just the, the just like the vast potential. And with the Blazers, I anticipate that things are going to be very different this year. We had a very curious year last year, which I think we never really got to touch base about. Um, but I am really excited because I think this year the Blazers might look a little bit different in terms of like how they play. And I'm just really excited to see how it all plays out. Just like, you know, I wonder how all the trees are going to look this year. Are there going to be more reds and blues? It's like, are we actually going to dunk? Are they actually going to pass the ball? What's it going to be like? Are we actually going to dunk? I think that's a question that you've been asking since the genesis of, of this podcast. Um, so, and this isn't even an off season question. I think it can date back to like the trade deadline of last year, but are there any just like lingering thoughts, themes, impressions that are sticking with you as we enter this regular season for the Blazers? Definitely. I look at last year was kind of a cleanse for me and maybe for other basketball uh, trailblazer basketball fans as well. The year started off rough and uh, got rougher. Like last year's off season was rough. The handling of the hiring of the coach. We talked about that a little bit. That was a little bit rough. Um, And then the season started and the play wasn't great. Damien didn't look right. Things were just not gelling. Then we found out that, you know, Damien was shut down and then the uh, new GM took over, which was like wild because they actually like had this press conference where instead of like all of the reporters coming in there to be yelled at, like the GM and the basketball operations guy, they sat there with their shirt sleeves all rolled up on little stools, like not even behind a table. And they were like, hey, how's it going? And it was like, what's going on? This is a whole different feel. 
There's no codified water bottle drinking at all going on. Just no, they had their stuff. water bottles, but they were just drinking them. It was wild. But the um, this is all to say that once the expectations for winning and just like knowing what was going to happen, you know, went away, I had a ball last <laughs> last season. And you know, I feel bad for all those guys who had to get in there and get blown out by thirty points every night, but. Watching those guys play hard. I love watching young players. You know this. The things that I love, I love dunks, I love assists, and I love watching young players play. None of those things have been hallmarks of the Trailblazers for the last 10 years. How are you a fan of this team is the real question. Exactly. So we got, it's not like, you know, it was like, you know, drastically different, but things looked different. And like, to me, that was the most exciting thing. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what plays were going to run. We didn't know who was going to be playing. We didn't know what guy they were going to call up from the G League to come in for, you know, another 10 days. But all in all, as a fan, being able to sort of let go of ex those expectations, which just hound us every season, and just sit back and watch these guys play really, really hard to like for their careers – and even if they didn't win, you know, it was like, who cares? It was, I don't know, for me, like I said, it was kind of a cleansing situation. And I feel like I'm ready to look at this season with kind of new eyes. Hopefully it's going to be a, you know, a new kind of basketball. Some of our old favorites are back, but some guys who we just barely got the tiniest glimpse of, um, we're going to see more of this season. And I personally am very excited about that. Did it make it last? Because you can look at like what some of the younger players did, and I think you can read into that. But did the way that last year unfolded make it difficult for you to evaluate Chauncey Billups, the coach, at all? Oh, yeah. I have no idea what kind of coach we have. No idea whatsoever. Um, one of the things that I noticed at last year's media day, the, the buzzword of the day was accountability. And everybody was going to be held accountable. And they were all going to be accountable to each other. Blah, 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 blah. And right out the gate, that looked like everybody was just cranky. And um, <laughs> this season, the buzzword is connectivity or something like that. Ooh, that and sounds like something that would be at like a corporate luncheon. Synergistic connectivity or some shit. <laughs> totally. But feels more it feels more at home to me than accountability did and it feels kind of like the coach took stock of like what he learned from last year and then accountability did like immediately going in and holding everybody accountable maybe wasn't the um the best way to to buy in and so this year they're trying really hard to connect with each other and um i know it's just like you said corporate buzzword but it makes me feel like the coach kind of evaluated sort of the way that he came out initially and saw that it didn't really work. And I have to give him a lot of credit for these guys who showed up. And like I said, we're getting blown out by 20, 30 points. They still played hard. And I think the coach helped with that. And I think he also had like a, you know, pretty uh, very involved group of assistant coaches. And I think they were all like, you know what, you guys, we need to come in. We still need to play all these games play your hardest. And if you do well, then you're going to be able to like have a career that, you know, maybe people didn't know you had in you like watching trend and Watford earn a contract was so cool. I'm officially, we'll get into this later, but I'm officially a fan of trend and Watford. And that never, that never would have happened. Drew Eubanks. I don't know if you know, but Drew Eubanks is actually from uh, Port the Portland area. I had no um, idea. 
He's from a, a town outside of Portland called Troutdale. So we call him the shack of Troutdale. That was um, started by Mike Richmond from Lockdown Blazers. Um, so the shack of Troutdale got to come back. He played on maybe four or five 10 day contracts, but then in the off season, he got officially picked up. And again, just another like feel good story that never would have happened. Likely, um, you know, had that, you know, last year, not gone, gone, the way it went and also just as a fan it's just nice to just it was just nice to just let go and not care especially because it's different when there's no weight or validity to the idea of they have to break it up or this could happen but with the blazers it had been in the ether maybe too early but there was a legitimacy behind the logic at least and that has to get exhausting you and i talked about on the podcast year after year or podcast after podcast of is this are they gonna do they need to break up damon cj and what does that look like and there was also I don't want to call them a series of half measures, but like they kept hitting, going after these like doubles and singles on the trade market, Robert Covington, Norman Powell. And it was never something that defined a direction or got like that. It was that all in type of trade. And I liked all those moves independently. Let me be clear, but it was just refreshing to be like, okay, they're back. They're, they're tanking at this point and they're evaluating youth. And like you said, being able to purge those expectations and then also just ripping off the bandaid of, okay, CJ's gone. Norm Powell's gone as well. That's clarifying in and of itself. They chose a direction. They 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 just finally chose a direction. And it was just like, okay, finally. Like, we know what we're going for here. We know what you're aiming for. And so it was just nice that they finally chose a direction and we could, like, understand it. And, you know, don't get me wrong. This was not intended in the fans' perspective this is not meant to be a multiple year tank <laughs> this was meant to be a temporary situation and you know it was just perfect that what happened was the blazers had a chance to have two different um draft picks and it was just perfect that they only got one and that they lost it to the pelicans and like that was just all so perfect it, like all the storylines played out exactly the way you would expect for the trailblazers but they did get a, a draft pick, which we haven't really had a high one for a while. I'm going to tell you at some point, you know, this poor kid, but all his hopes and dreams, like all my hopes and dreams for the next decade are wrapped up in his success. No pressure or anything. But this is all to say, it was just exciting that they chose a direction and we all got to like ride along with it. And that better be the end of that direction. <laughs> right. And to that, that point, and we'll get into some of this, like this ties into the roster moves and the players I'm going to ask you about. I'm not sure if people were surprised, but they were kind of critical of the Dame extension and looking at it as, oh, this isn't like an actual rebuild. They're just trying to do this one year thing. And whether you think that's the move or not, they were pretty clear that that Cronin said it like maybe we don't take executives at face value, which is fine. I don't know how I feel about this team looking ahead two, three, four years, but they decided they were still going to be on Dame's timeline, but it was time for a reboot of sorts. And they did that. And so, like, you can't criticize the execution yet until we see what they've been because so far they've done what they set out to do, which was we need to give the Dame era, you know, a shot of adrenaline, a different look. And they've done that. We don't know. Again, we don't know how it's going to work out. But like you said, it was never meant to be a multiple-year tank. And just because some people think that they should have traded Dame and moved on, um, that's not what their vision was. And so the Dame extension, in essence, to me, aligns with that vision. And I'll also be a big believer, and this isn't to actually get into the trade market of it, but if you ever, if Dame ever wants out or they ever want to move Dame, the contract is going to be movable. We've just, we've seen it too many times before. 
Russell Westbrook got moved like 80 times on what was considered the worst deal in the league. So I didn't understand the, I don't want to say it was widespread criticism, but just like, like quasi shock of, Oh, they really gave him that extension. Like, yes, of course they decided that they were going to retool around him. That's why they gave him the extension. Yeah. I don't, and I don't know how much people around the, um, you know, the national scene, like are ever really truly going to understand what Damien means to to the community and that's fine we just want everybody to stop asking about it <laughs> you know like this summer you know last last summer was kind of like the peak of everybody asking him about whether or not he was gonna go out and we saw how that all went um this summer at or this year at media day sure it was almost all local guys not one of them said so are you going to stay in portland like not one person asked that question it was actually not trade eligible probably maybe that's why like you can't really push that narrative when he's not even trade eligible no everybody's sick of talking about it everybody is sick of talking about it damian lord has like damian lord has said it so many times that like we all understand that things can happen and things can change in a moment but we also know that every time damian says it he means it and where we are now is that he is going to stay and the way i look at it is we could like they could have signed they they signed damian lillard to this extension and someday they could trade damian lillard but trade to me trading away damian lillard doesn't like increase their chances of winning a championship in the next you know like you might as well hold on to damian lillard like you could have damian lillard and not have a championship or you could not have damian lillard and not have a championship and i would rather have damian lillard even if we can't get a championship out of it i would understand the blasphemy more if they did nothing over the offseason too which is like we're just gonna run it back with dame and all these like young kids and like no that's not what they did and i guess to skip ahead to actually damian lillard himself here is there any concern about one what he looked like before going under abdominal surgery and then now him coming back or is this just a situation of this dude played at least basically 2400 minutes in every other season of his career but the last one this might be like good for him like he was forced to take a rest for a half season yeah there's no concern from this fan i mean i think like i'm so glad that he has had a chance to rest he's had a chance to rest his mind and just like all of the weight that has been on his back in terms of just carrying the franchise for him to get away for him to take time off physically mentally emotionally um you know i to me it seems like a great thing it's possible that with the new coach and the new um uh gm and you know new decision makers in the front office maybe they'll be able to convince damien to take a little bit of time off here or there i also know that they're like big fans of the abdominal surgery because in addition to dame getting the abdominal surgery nasir little and gary payton also have it so apparently they're getting a deal or something (laughs) everybody's getting ab surgery now um but are they like I, I, ab implants? Like has Dave been like shirtless a lot more often? Has Nas been shirtless a lot more often? They're just ab implants. I it, no, but it just it fits like everything I've heard about Damian Lord that like he put it off for so long. Finally, I think it was was it um holiday, you know, convinced him that he should go get it. And then Dame got it, and then suddenly he came back and he's like, Everybody needs to get this surgery, right? Everybody who's having these issues, don't put it off any longer. Uh, yeah, and look, I point to as well, he was dealing with the injury, which is could account for why he was playing the way he was. And also, before he went 
out, they still had a top 12 offense. And they, they were awful afterwards on purpose. They still had a top 12 offense. And that team was like, I don't want to say it was a dumpster fire beforehand, but like that season, everything from Dame to everyone else was everyone was banged up. It felt like was not going really according to plan. And he still, to me, gives you that offensive baseline. Like, forget about the ceiling, because I, I, I don't know if they have an offensive ceiling if you have Dame and surround him with the right talent. But having Damian Lillard is akin to you're going to be fine on mm-hmm. offense. It's still just how I look at it. And if you get a better version of the Damian Lillard we saw last year, which you're why, – why wouldn't you guess that we would? That would be like a huge – like, I understand players get older, but, like, you don't just fall off a cliff unless it was – so I – I am optimistic that Dame will still be in that. I don't know where I'd have him, but that top 10 to 15 player conversation. And by extension, that just means the Blazers are going to be okay on offense. And that's just like, that's my read on the situation. Yeah. I, like I said, this fan, not worried. And I think most fans are not worried. And I think that um, the way the it was so clear that he was laboring and then he'd like get a cortisone shot and be like, yay, Dame is back. And then it would wear off. And he, you know, it, it was just that, he, and he would probably be horrified to think that we could even tell that he was <laughs> laboring, but he just couldn't get that elevation. And so like his shots were short and we're like, what's going on? Like, we know that he can hit these like tremendously long shots, but they were just like falling short. And that just, it just didn't look right. And I just am, have all kinds of confidence that he's going to get back and it's just going to be, you know, like riding a bike, right? In other news, this podcast is officially sponsored by Pacific Northwest Abdominal Surgeries, LLC. <laughs> uh, so the biggest new addition to the roster, Jeremy Grant, well, I guess Shane Sharp could be, but Jeremy Grant, their big offseason acquisition. Uh, how do you feel about, I don't even have to ask you how you felt about the trade because they got him for way less than I think anyone just assumed Jeremy Grant was going to be traded for. Uh, but how do you feel about his fit on this roster and what he brings uh, in terms of his impact? I am really excited to see what he does. Um, a, he is going to like up the fashion game by like 10 times because he just is like such an amazing fashionable dresser. So, but in addition to that, I mean, because you know, you look good, you feel good, you play good, right? So that's got to help. But I am really interested. And this kind of goes back to like not really knowing what style these guys are going to play with the new coach, new sets. But I really see that there's going to be more of a deliberate effort to play small and that Jeremy Grant's going to be an important part of that. But I also think, but I, well, and I think we're going to have like a distinct, a big lineup and a small lineup. And last year it was kind of like, let's throw some smaller guys out and see how it works. But I feel like this year they went out and got players who necessarily fit the small thing instead of like, well, we're small. We better play him. Um, So I think Jeremy Grant's going to be an important part of that. Um, He's just the best power forward the Blazers have had for a really, really long time. And do you think since LaMarcus probably? That's yeah, Yeah. I I think so. I mean, you know, I love Al Farouk Aminu, but um, you know, (laughs) that was that I I, I think Jeremy Grant is a better player than he was. Um, And I think that just he's going to bring he's going to unlock some interesting things that we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. And like his defense is huge, just especially with because I think with Nurk, who is still good, I'm probably like more excited to watch a Drew Eubanks or Trenton Watford than Nurkic at this point because I, we know what he is, and I feel like he's sort of just – he didn't look the same defensively to me. And now that you have Nurk and Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant can very much be the type of four 
that is playmaking like behind Nurk, uh, who's a, who is going to be a good helper. In addition to okay, if he can't, if you need him to go be like your one-on-one guy, he can do that too. And so I think he opens up a lot of doors for them defensively. And I was a huge, you know, if they were going to give up the sixth pick, whatever they had, the fifth pick for Jeremy Grant, like yeah, I'm there. I probably would have had an issue with that, but they got him for just that Bucks pick is going to be a fringe second rounder, and it was it took cap space in that Bucks pick basically. And so I thought it was a home run, no brainer trade for them. And I was again shocked that the Pistons ended up prioritizing flexibility over inbound assets for Jeremy Grant. I am super excited, interested to see how Nurk and um, Grant play together because he's definitely going to be the best person that Nurk has played with. Um, And there's been a lot of talk at a training camp, uh, you know, take it with all the optimistic grains of salt that you can. Um, But it sounds like those two are are really working on how to play together on the court. And um, I think that's exciting. And I think it's just been not to bring up dunks like for the millionth time, but like you kind of have to ask yourself, why were the Blazers like dead last in the league, like dead, dead last in the league in dunks for, you know, two years ago, previous years. I mean, the last time they were in the top 10 in dunks, I think was when JJ Hickson was here and he can't wake up without dunking the ball. And it's just like, it, it tells me that there was like scheme involved, <laughs> you know, this was not a team that was set up to allow that. Like we had Derek Jones jr. And like, mm-hmm. he couldn't get to the rim. Like yeah, why would you have Derek Jones jr. On your team and not let him get to the rim. So what I'm hoping is that this new iteration of the team with their new plays is going to clear out a little bit of runway for, for some of this to happen. Maybe Jeremy Grant is involved in that, but maybe the way Jeremy Grant and Nurk play together will open up space for some of those, you know, lanes for guys to come in and dunk as well. I'm also hoping that it kind of the way that they're built might juice up the speed of their offense at points. Like, yeah, when you have Dame or Simons having the ball, it's do the deliberate methodical stuff. Uh, and I get that they actually slowed down their average possession time after Damian Lillard's injury, which feels counterintuitive, but then you're like, well, look at who was playing and they probably need to figure out what the hell they were doing. So I get it. I'd like to see them be like more opportunistic in transition with a lot of these guys, because Jeremy Grant is someone who can run the floor too. And if you have the extra space, even if you're in the half court, like, as you already mentioned, it opens pathways to the rim, which should be able to just accelerate, um, the speed at which you operate your offense, which I think would be just more dynamic for this team as much like, you know, different layers that you can add, especially in this year's Western conference is going to be pretty important. Yeah. I've heard fast breaks are really exciting and I can't wait to see some. <laughs> and look, they're banning the, uh, the, the, they're going the to, yeah, the take foul, the more closely officiate it anyway. And mm-hmm. so that is exciting just in general, but maybe that leads to more dunks for the Blazers. You never know. Fingers crossed. <laughs> How did you feel about the Gary Payton signing? And then how do you feel about his overall fit with the team? So um, this is one of those ones where I was like, okay, what's going on here? Because I've been conditioned over the last few years based on listening to smart people who know a lot of things about basketball saying, oh my God, the Blazers keep getting six, three guards. Like why do they keep getting six, three guards over and over and over again? And you and I, I think, talked about, like, joked last year about how the Blazers might play a four-guard lineup. And I actually thought that that would be like if they traded for Ben Simmons. But no, they actually played a four-guard lineup last season. And people think that that was sort of Chauncey just, like, sticking it to the man. <laughs> like, really? This is what you're giving me? Okay, we're playing four guards. Anyway, 
I've been very sensitive for the last several years about six, three guards, because I've been told that this is not what the blazers need. Mm -hmm. So the blazers get a six, three guard and everyone is like, hallelujah. They got Gary Payton, another six, three guard. I feel like it's very understandable that I was like, hold on a minute. Like, how is this different than what you've been telling me all this time about how, you know, and they're like, Oh, he's the tallest six, three guard you'll ever play with or whatever. So like, I get it. I get that Gary Payton is different, but also like, I feel like I should not have, you know, should not be questioned for questioning it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you guys drilled this narrative in my head that we have all these, you know, six, three guards. And now that we have another six, three guard, and I was like asking questions about it, like you understand where the questions are coming from. Right. So that's all to say how I felt about the Gary Payton signing. I was very conflicted and confused. I absolutely see why the Blazers are excited about him because, you know, he's just, we haven't had that guy who's willing to just like, who's like, starter or like right off the bench level player who's willing to pick up a guy from one end and chase him all the way down to the other hand. You know, we get guys who are trying to earn their spot who are willing to do that, but we haven't really had that in a player who's part of the regular rotation and is just ready to just make someone's life miserable. So I'm kind of excited about that (laughs) for sure. Yeah, them playing a backup guard more than the league minimum is actually quite shocking. Uh, they always, just for so long, they subsisted on like guys on rookie deals like Anthony Simons, or it was just like these, you know, just coming in one year flyers that were cheap. So you go and you spend the mid level on someone who you're, I, your concerns are totally valid. They like kind of flip because I think defensively, you don't care about his size because of the way he defends. But on offense, it's like what makes it work is he can set screens and you can have him in the quarter, he could be a good cutter. But he dealt with elbow stuff towards the end of last year. If that three ball is not falling, if his screens aren't as effective, you have a different type of concern with the three guards. But I liked the signing overall, and you're you're absolutely on point with his defense. Like he is going to just ruin people's souls when he is on the court. Yeah, that's going to be fun to cheer for. Uh, see, here's the big question that I have with regard to Anthony Simons, and it comes from listener Ian in our Discord. Is he really six five? I have no idea how tall Anthony is. <laughs> I have no idea. And like, I was going to the pictures to try to do that. Like, okay, if he's standing next to Damien, how much taller is he than Damien? If he's standing next to the coach, how where is he according to the coach? But I gave up immediately. I don't care how tall he is. You know, he's as tall as he is. And he's <laughs> like, we can't change it, right? <laughs> he's just as tall as he's going to be. He certainly does look like he has bulked up. And whether that includes height, I don't know. I mean, he was so young when he came here and it's also very complicated with him because he has such a baby face it's hard to he's also <laughs> hard a baby. To know, like, he's 23 right he he's a cool baby well he's not anymore though like 23 is like he's been in the league this is his fifth year coming in the league so he's not a baby anymore you know he's a mature man um and it would make sense that he has grown i think it's weird that like we always act like whatever height somebody was when they came in the league like that's their height forever because like a lot of guys I know keep growing in until their early 20s so it would not surprise me if Anthony Simons was actually 6'5 and that would be exciting because then he would have somebody even taller next to Dame than we did with CJ maybe like yeah and maybe he just looks taller because like you said he put on muscle maybe the hair was just looking like particularly high in that video well his hair is actually shorter than it used to be so his hair was kind of made him look deceptively tall but now he's wearing it a lot shorter so 
I think that he probably has grown. It would not surprise me, but I don't know where he is in between that six three, six five um uh range. Nationally, again, the qualifier there is nationally. There was this mini furor over his four year hundred million dollar contract. I think one, the people still need to look at these deals in the context of what the salary cap is about to be. And less than twenty percent of the salary cap for or about twenty percent of the salary cap for Anthony Simons is fine uh, i also think he's viewed as just someone who is a good um scorer an excellent his catch and shoot like three-pointer is just it's money and then he's also shown it dipped a little bit last year and a part of that i think was just the extra responsibility um but he's a good like off the dribble jump shooter as well like someone who can hit the pull-up three at a fairly high level especially when he's playing off dame that's not even something that cj did at the volume anthony simons can and there's no compare like cj mccollum's in between game was just like a hot knife through butter, so smooth. So, but what is it, like, what else did you see from him maybe last year after the Dame injury, um, or even just overall since he's been in Portland about where he's actually improved that people do not talk enough about? Well, I I think you're absolutely right in his, you know, pull-up threes. It's just, you know, he's got a beautiful shot, and it goes in, and, like, that's what we want. We, ha- we want somebody on the team who other teams are wanting to guard, and I think one of the most important things that Anthony did last year is let everybody know that you need to guard me. And that's going to help Damien a lot. It's going to help a lot of other people a lot. Watching him handle the ball and be the floor general, it was great to see that um, he was able to do that. Um, even there was this really short, like four game stretch before everybody got shot down, got, sorry, shut down. And, where the healthy players were still healthy (laughs) playing. It was before, you know, we saw a lot of bench players and they played really well. And he did a really good job of, you know, playmaking in that. I don't know that how long he would have been able to do that after teams started planning for him. I think part of it is people were like not really scouting him as much during Mm -hmm. that brief period. And they would have started to do that more. But it was nice to see that he can run an offense. Like, and um, so I don't know if, you know, how much people are are talking about that. I'm excited this season to see. I've been trying to figure out what's the difference between Damon CJ and Damon Anthony. And I think what I've settled on is that Damon CJ were like two point guards that were taking turns. And Damian was the lead point guard, but then, you know, a couple of possessions when they were in there together, CJ would play the point guard and they like kind of took turns playing that point guard. And I think that what we might see is a little bit more of Damian playing the point guard and Anthony playing the shooting guard and um, like truly being in that position and being, you know, mindful of that from the get go that uh, I think, that kind of goes back to that whole connectivity thing, because when you're Mm. thinking about two point guards taking turns, they're not like super connected. Um, They are in the way that they understand like who's got the ball and who's going to be like running this set or whatever. But I'm looking for that connectivity where they move the ball around a lot because, you know, they've, they're, they're running their plays and they are looking for that additional pass. So I, I think it's going to be really great to see Dame and, Anthony playing together and what I hope is that it looks different from what Damon not I mean I, I loved watching like you said watching him drop people was so much fun <laughs> but I think this might be in the long run um a better combination 
I I think you're right too. And there's also, uh, I think you you basically alluded to this. It it feels more organic because of how used to Simons is one working off the ball and two spending a lot of time beyond the arc and taking shots that way. And I also think, and this is, you know, you mentioned his passing as a floor general. That is one of his biggest areas of improvement. They're not like he's not throwing Luka Doncic, James Harden, like one-handed bullets, but like he is reacting quickly Mm -hmm. to what defenses are throwing at him. And part of that, I think too, is while he still doesn't get to the rim a ton, he is more explosive on his drives. And he actually shot, I was looking before, it was like 53% on drives after um, the Dame injury. And so what's mixed into there is like, those were some pretty rough games that he played in after the Dame injury as well. So the fact that there was almost probably less space available, I think that's big for the pairing to where CJ's game, not that it stalled out, it was built to work in the in-between specifically. I think Anthony Simons is going to give you a lot more explosion and maybe an extra level when you look at going downhill than CJ did. And so that's just more natural to me than, you know, the, the and look, the Damon CJ pairing was pretty natural. To, it was good. But I just think that the Simons uh, Lillard one, it probably, to me, it has a higher ceiling on the offensive end than the CJ Dame one did. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I think it might, it might have a higher ceiling. Are you concerned about, or is this just same old, same old, like we have these two, well, allegedly two small guards. Uh, Anthony Simons might be 6'8". Could be immediate, a small and a medium. Yeah, so he could be all defense. That's where he's at. But are you concerned about that aspect of this at all, or do you think that the Blazers have surrounded them with enough of defensive talent to to make it work? Uh, this could just be me buying what they're selling me, but I think that they have added more defensive capabilities. And I also think that with if Damien is feeling better, that he could improve on that end. And, you know, maybe might be able to bring a little bit more to the table than he was in the last couple of years. So I'm hoping I'm hopeful. Let's say it that way. I'm hopeful that the Blazers have at, you know, have added the right amount of defensive players without sacrificing too much of their offensive style. Shaden Sharp. Uh I think it's fitting based off what I know about his game that the one basket he makes in summer league before he gets injured is like this ridiculous baseline jumper. Uh, Any thoughts on his game overall? But I think also the bigger question is for a team that wants to make the playoffs, how much should we expect him to be a part of this year's rotation? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts thoughts about Shaden Sharp. One of my favorite things these days is listening to people who've actually had eyes on him and seen him play, try to describe it. Because they get kind of tongue-tied. And I'm that's so intriguing to me. They can't, they're just like, you just know. They just like can't really always articulate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really curious to see with my own eyes. And with my own eyes, I did see that one shot that he made um at Summer League. And it looked to me like uh, he just the way he took it, I was like, oh, he's mellow. You know, it just like it just looked like a Carmelo Anthony shot. But he's so much more athletic um, than the mellow I saw anyway <laughs> that um, I think he has a lot more in his bag. But the um, I think as far I have no idea if they're going to play him or not. Like I would love it, mm-hmm. but it, this is going to be where we're going to we're going to learn a lot more about the coach in the front office when we see like who's in the starting lineup and who's in the rotation. Are we going to stick with vets like we've done for the last decade, or are we going to let these guys play? And like I told you, I loved that about the end of last season as they let those guys play. Now we're in a whole different situation. 
So are they going to let Nas start? Um, still a pretty young guy, still fairly unproven, or are they going to give that position to Josh Hart or Justice Winslow? Um, are they going to make sure Trendon is in the rotation or is he going to go all the way back to the end of the line? I'm super, I have no idea what they're going to do and I can't wait to find out. Who would you start at the three next to what we know are the four locks in Grant, Nurkic, Damon, uh, Simons? Um, I would start Nas. I would start Nasir Little. Um, I partly because I also like what Josh Hart does with the ball in his hands. And I really w- would love to see him running the second unit. Um, before it was like either Dame or CJ was always on the court. Mm-hmm. And whoever was on the court was the point guard. I think I would love to see you know, like I was saying, you know, Anthony, you know, really, truly being the number two. And then for a section of the the bench play, Josh Hart run that and have him be like, and I know he's not really a point guard, but he reminds me a little bit of Evan Turner with the ability to shoot. Like Evan Turner was actually quite good with the ball in his hands, running plays, playmaking, getting people the ball, passing. He was really pretty good at all of that. And I see a little bit of Josh Hart having that ability as well as being able to shoot. So that's why I would start Nas is because I'd just love to see part of it is because I'd like to see um, Josh Hart with the second unit. What don't people – so I think if you trust Jeremy Grant to knock down enough of his threes and you have Simons and Dame – I'd be just fine with that because Nas is pure energy, um, gives you some stuff on the glass, gives you can um, like some rim pressure too, and can even be used as the screener. Do you worry about that fit with Nurk at all? And also, what are can you give us the for people that don't watch? Have, first of all, Nas has been sick or injured basically his entire career, which has sucked. Um, what's most impressed you about him, or what's something about his impact that people outside Portland don't know enough about? I love Nas's rebounding. He's a fantastic rebounder. Uh, uh, He's a rebounding sicko. (laughs) Yeah, offense or offensive and defensive. I love his, uh, I just love his rebounding. Like nobody has their eyes on the rim like Nas does. Like it's amazing. Like every time uh, Bruce Lee, the team photographer, posts a picture of Nas rebounding, his eyes are just like on the rim. And it just, it's just so striking. Like he, like he loves rebounding. So I love watching Nas rebound. And so that's part of the reason I love watching him play is he, he can jump over everybody and he is focused and, you know, he loves getting that ball. So you, and you're perfectly fine with the partnership with like Nurk that doesn't give you any pauses on offense a little bit. No, no. I think, I think Nurk is, I have very high expectations for Nurk. I think every year me and my fan relationship with Nurk is different. Every time we talk, it's very high right now. (laughs) It is very high right now. I love what, I love what I've seen out of Nurk for the last year. He actually played after things settled down, like after the beginning of the year, Nurk, it's just like kind of, I don't know. He, he played really well with the new guys. I don't know. He was just didn't seem like he was gelling with, you know, um, the the first set of new guys. <laughs> so when, you know, Justice Winslow and Josh Hart came, he seemed like he really gelled with them. He played really well during that brief period, you know, again, where Damien was out before they sat everybody. He played really well and he commanded a lot of attention from other teams as well as kind of like. I wouldn't say that he took over, but he was extremely supportive of Anthony 
And I think a lot of Anthony's success was because of Yusuf Nurkic, because I think Yusuf Nurkic cleared out a lot of space for him. He was watching out for him. He was an excellent partner in the pick and roll with him. And um, I just, I, I feel like a switch got kind of flipped with Yusuf Nurkic, like watching him on the sidelines, interacting with the players who were playing and clearly like talking to them about what he would be doing or what they should be doing. And clearly like, being super engaged with them, even when he wasn't there playing, he had this great um, uh, run with the Bosnian team at Eurobasket. Um, and I, I just have really high hopes that he's going to see what his role is. And that is like back to the connectedness. He really is a major connector. Um, sure. And so I think that's going to work out really well. If, and I, I don't think he's, you know, I think we're going to have to live with the fact that he's going to take a couple of threes. I think we're going to have to live with the fact that he likes to get it in the post and back down people a couple of times a game. And you live with that because of the rest of the time he has great vision. He's a really good passer. He knows how to protect his guards. And especially when you have small guards and I don't know if he's a rim protector, but he's a rim deterrent for sure. Like when Nurkic is down there, people don't want to get by the rim. So I have very high expectations and I think that he'll work really well with everybody. I'm interested to see what he, because I just wasn't, but again, in the context of the team, I don't know if you were impressed with anyone defensively last year, quite frankly. (laughs) Uh, I, I just feel like he wasn't as good and he didn't feel like as much of a deterrent. But now if you look at the roster, I'm curious to see how he does with, better talent obviously but it's more like i don't want to use the word explosive because that doesn't aptly describe everyone but it's more like you know detonative talent where it's you have simons isn't a good defender but he's quick gp2 is all over the place jeremy grant josh hart and so now that you have all those guys where they can uh, simons is not a good defender i want to make that clear but like looking at gp2 and grant and hart specifically you have like not safety nets but guys who can play in front of and behind you and i'm wondering if that also allows the blazers to try different things on defense this year than how they've predominantly used Nurkic in the past. I would hope so. I mean, Nurk had to do a lot last year. He had to come up to the three-point line and get back down to the to the basket. He had to fill in a lot of places. And maybe it was a fatigue thing that I was sensing then because like he is so used to under uh, Terry Stotts, it was just like drop, 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 drop. And that's what he did all the time. Yeah. And, you know, he. I just feel like they never really figured out how they were supposed to work together. And maybe he got a little discouraged towards the beginning of the year. And with, you know, Damien having a hard time and laboring, like it was just like, nobody could really figure out like, how are we going to make this work? And um, so I, I, I think it's really important. Like the time that he spent with Bosnia, Herzegovina this summer and was like the man And that didn't mean he scored like 40 points. It meant that he was the heart and the soul and he was able to see what was going on and direct, like he and Musa played like great together. And, you know, he was able to like be the anchor and be the rock. And instead of having to like be active in every single play, you know, he was, I don't know. I just, I feel like that was a really important experience for him and i would love to be able to see him play like a similar role where he doesn't have to be involved like let him take his couple of three pointers or whatever but like also let him be that connector again for lack of a better word um hopefully we're going to move that ball around a little bit more and nurkic is a willing passer mm-hmm. could do he's a lot not, of damage out of the short roll too yeah he's not a black hole like the ball doesn't stop with him sometimes it does but 
you know, you also know that you can get him to move it. The rest of the big man rotation, and you kind of touched upon this when you mentioned smaller lineups. I'm guessing that's just what the Blazers are going to be committed to because you're looking at Drew Eubanks is probably the only just other center, like, you know, italic center on this roster. And then Trenton Watford played a lot there, but he's also only 6'8", and they got, like, lampooned when he was playing center last year. Again, the talent wasn't great, but even just looking at their rebounding. So how is this, like, backup center rotation going to to shake out? Is it we expect to see a lot of, like, Watford or maybe even Grant at the five? Uh, are they really prepared to rely on, on Drew Eubanks? Like, what's your read on that situation? I mean, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about how I think they're going to have a bigger lineup and a smaller lineup, and they're going to use them more strategically. And I see Trendon Watford as really learning how to be a small center because he has, you know, he's pretty good at moving. Um, you know, he's he's getting better, but he's also just really smart and he has good instincts. Jabari Walker also, I don't know that he'll be, you know, a small ball center, but he'll be a really important part, I think, of like that, that unit that's going to learn how to play really effective small ball. Um, I think that they don't have another tall person on the roster because at this point they don't need one. And rather than saying, Oh, some point at some point, Yusuf, you're going to get hurt. So we're going to bring in two extra guys. I think they're like letting him play. Cause I think for like people are like, everyone knows Yusuf gets hurt. Everybody knows Nurk gets hurt. And it's like, to me, I think it's important for him to know that they're like not counting on him getting injured. <laughs> they're counting on him right, staying right. well. And if he gets injured, they'll deal with it. Cause like going out and finding a center, like if he is out for an extended time, isn't as hard as some other things that they might need to do. Son Whiteside's just there for the taking again, Tara. <laughs> yep. For anyone who's not watching on YouTube, Tara almost <laughs> just passed out. Uh, who do you think winds up playing? I think you already answered this too, but who do you think winds up playing a bigger role for this team? Is it Jabari Walker or Watford? I have no idea. Um, Can I vote? <laughs> yeah. What do you I, think? It's Watford for me. And I think it's a lot of what I saw offensively from him where he is so, I don't want to say so dynamic. He's a lot more dynamic than you think. When you look at, like, he can do stuff around the basket, but, like, he can get around guys if he's by the three-point line or at the top of the key. Um, and he had, like, there was, I can't remember which game it was I was watching, and it was the Blazers didn't give a shit at that point. I want to make that clear. But, like, he had this, like, nifty floater while he was on the move. He has and a so great floater. And he's he's not a bad passer. He's a, I would say he's a good passer. Like, for someone who's 6'8", you're probably thinking, like, oh, point forward, they could pass. But if someone who's going to play the center position, and I also just wonder, because he's a little bit more dynamic with the ball, that's probably going to give them room to futz and fiddle, and, like, maybe this is someone who can play the four a lot. Um, so... I'm fascinated by him and think that he can play a role on a team that is not just trying to be competitive, but is actually competitive. So that would be my vote. I think you're right. And I think that, you know, if the Blazers are going to carve out time for a rookie, they're more likely to, you know, make sure that Shaden Sharp is getting on the court. And, um, you know, I think Javari will play, but I think you're right. I think Trendon will, will play more. Uh, is there like an underrated strength or element to this team that you don't think is getting enough attention as we head into the regular season? I don't know. It's so different from the team that I know. I mean, it's Damian Lillard, but he's not, I don't know if he's, I wouldn't say he's necessarily underrated, but maybe he is. Um, yeah. I just, I don't, like I said, I just don't really know this team 
enough to know because I really am expecting that they're going to play a different type of basketball than I've seen. I've decided this year the way I'm going to measure whether a team like it's a good game or not is by how many times a game I go, oh, (laughs) I haven't seen that before. (laughs) Like fast breaks, dunks, you know, things that are were not a part of their arsenal in the past. So I have no idea what we're going to see. So I don't know what their strengths are yet. Um, is there like a big weakness or just void on this team that you're c- concerned about? I know you tend to be relentlessly positive, which is, which is awesome. But if you were to take off that hat for a second, cause you're somewhat optimistic now, I noticed in your Twitter bio, it's not relentlessly optimistic. It's somewhat optimistic, but is there anything that you're concerned about uh, when looking at this roster leading into the season? Uh, first of all, I'm so glad somebody noticed <laughs> that I'm relentlessly positive and somewhat optimistic because I'm not delusional. I try not to be delusional. And if I am delusional, I try to like recognize it and go, hold on a minute, just like I, roll it back. <laughs> I will say delusion when it comes to sports fandom is not a bad thing until it turns toxic. So yeah. if you're if you're deludedly optimistic at points and you're being approachable or nice about it, I think that's perfectly fine. Well, and yeah, I, I I don't know. Being full, being a hundred percent optimistic is tough. Just when you have the history of a fandom as you know, it goes back as far as you just kind of like try to protect yourself. The organization <laughs> has not made it easy on you. Right. But let's see. Okay. The question was, it was about, um, any concerns that you just concerns. had, like what's your biggest concern for the roster? Um, I think my biggest concern is a little bit of concern with, um, le- maybe a little bit of a lack of shooting, Ben Macklemore is still out there. <laughs> um, just like whether or not there's somebody who will like, we just need a bucket, get somebody to come off the bench and get us a bucket. I feel like that might not, uh, we're, we might not be in as good a situation as we could be with that. And then just, you know, unfamiliarity with each other, unfamiliarity with the new coaches plays, uh, unfamiliarity with like now being expected to play defense. They brought in all these defenders. I'm super curious to see if that means that the Blazers can now play defense. And um, yeah, but just like that unfamiliarity and just lack of playing time together. I think mine for this team is just like the way that they're built. And because they'll have so much space, I think they'll naturally create more rim pressure than people think. I just worry about like sort of their finishing where it's Anthony Simons and Dame can even be coin tosses probably because of the difficulty of their looks when they get to the basket. And then you are relying on, I guess, Jeremy Grant showed a lot more ball skills than we were used to in Detroit. Um, I just want to see what this team looks like when it comes to finishing, how many free throws are they able to generate as well when you're looking at where their primary offense is going to come from. Uh, But I am endlessly fascinated by what the offense is going to look like in general, because as you've mentioned a few times, I think it's going to be, aesthetically materially different than what we've seen from Portland in the past. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up um, free throws and fouling, you know, because also on the other side of that is that if we're going to be playing, if they are going to be playing younger players, we may have to put up with a lot more fouling and, you know, that's always been a challenge for Yusuf Nurkic as well. And, um, you know, it's again one of those things that you just have to take the good with the bad with Yusuf Nurkic. I think he brings so much good that you know that I personally you know tolerate a lot of things that drive a lot of other people crazy, and you know he does get in foul trouble, and um, so we'll see how that goes. So when you're when you're looking at this team, one of my favorite things to do is to predict like what will be the top ten 
most used players. And as I've, some teams were like no brainers for me. The Bra- Blazers were a little bit more difficult. I think they have seven locks when you look at Dame, Simons, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic, Gary Payton II, and then Nas Little are the guys that I just have painted in as locks, which would bring us to seven. If you agree with those seven locks, or if you disagree, please say so. But like, how do you envision like those final three if you had to pick right now, which I am forcing you to? (laughs) (laughs) So I think Justice Winslow is the... What we've been hearing from training camp is that Justice Winslow is the type of player that the coach likes because, you know, he loves playing defense. Justice said that he thinks the coach likes him because he feels like he could have played on that Detroit team. Um, (laughs) So I think we're going to see Justice. I think we're going to, I hope we see Shaden and I think we're going to see Trendon. Um, I think like Drew Eubanks and Jabari Walker and even Keon Johnson. I didn't even I mention him. He's just like, I know so raw, you know, and also Keon Johnson's also the story of, you know, being the story of training camp. Like, Oh, who were you impressed with? I was really impressed with Keon Johnson. And you know, it's just, I, it'd be tough if you wanted to, like, if you want to play Keon Johnson, like you're kind of committing to not playing Shaden Sharp at that point then, because it gets really tough to start fitting these players into the rotation on the perimeter because they're filled with so many, I'll call them non-bigs. This roster is just stocked with non-bigs at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it's more likely that we'll see uh, Shaden and Justice and Trendon than it is than we'll see like Drew Eubanks and, um, uh, you know, Keon and Jabari. I was actually thinking about this like a couple of weeks ago. I think that like we could see just based off the way the Blazers look right now, it wouldn't surprise me we saw like Grant Winslow front courts when Nurk's not on the floor. And it's, we don't know who the center is necessarily. Maybe it depends on the matchup. Um, but that's something that they could try, especially because Winslow's three-pointer is very, very shaky. It, mm-hmm. is, very, it is very, very shaky. Yeah, and I, I see them trying to cycle Watford into that to learn how to really master that small ball play. Um, I just feel like, he, for some reason, he just strikes me as really having really good potential for that. And we haven't even talked about Greg Brown Jr. Or Greg Brown the third. Um we can so, talk about Greg Brown Jr. too, if you would like to. <laughs> I don't know much about Greg, Greg Brown Jr., but Greg GB3 or Goggles Brown Jr. because he got Go- hurt Go- in the Go- eye and he started wearing goggles at the end of the year, and that was really exciting. I don't see him making the the rotation very much, but you never know. I mean, hopefully there's a lot of garbage time one way or the other just for him to get in there and ensure that the Blazers meet the Tarabon Biggs in quote, imposed quota of dunks for the year. <laughs> So that's a Don't mission critical chaos. role that he holds. Yeah, for sure. No, we uh, everybody enjoyed Greg Brown, and Greg Brown um, is a bundle of energy. And uh, you know, he could also be like, especially when they're playing the second unit. You know, he could be that little bit of a spark that they need, kind of like Nas could be the you know the spark for the first unit. I will say, when you look at players on this roster, though, that maybe aren't just widely known just yet, Trenton Wofford is the one that I just immediately go towards i think that he might end up playing a a bigger or more impactful than an anticipated role uh for this team which would be fun because those are those are awesome storylines to follow mm-hmm. yeah and watch out for jabari too like he surprised everybody at summer league and even i who like i don't have an eye for analysis you know i don't know what i'm looking at half the time half the time i'm like you know this looks good and then i can go investigate more 
Jabari Walker stepped out on the court and I was like, oh, he's an NBA player. Like after his first couple plays, I could even I could see it. Even I was like, oh, yeah, he's clearly an NBA player. He's a good decision maker. He's strong. He is happy to be a role player. And so he's another one I would just keep keep an eye out for. He feels but like, like and I, I've seen so little of him. He feels like he could be very disruptive on the defensive end, like no matter how you use him. I don't know. I just have a terrible feel for like, what does he look like just away from the ball and offense as someone who's just like this accessory. And so that would be big for him. If he winds up getting minutes for this team, I'd wonder something either went terribly wrong or terribly right. I think, or incredibly right. Excuse me. Well, I'm going to jump forward to one of the questions that I was prepared for this time um, where you were asking about my, my wacky five man lineup that I wanted to see. Cause you, you always do you always do the who closes or whatever, but you often also ask the, you know, this is my the... favorite question of the look ahead podcast is what's the weirdo bonkers quirky lineup you want to see the Blazers try. So I would like to see more of the 2022 summer league championship roster <laughs> um, with Trendon and Jabari and Shaden and Keon and Brandon Williams. Um, I just want to see more of that. <laughs> They were, they were so fun to watch at summer league and um, like they were, they were playing deep. They were like holding other teams to very low scores, including your New York Knicks. And they were, they were just really fun to watch. And I know if they're on the court, then things are either going incredibly well or incredibly poorly, but I want to see more of them together because they're the future, right? Like, let's see it. Let's see what Shaden and Trendon can do. Let's see what Shaden and Jabari look like together. Let's see what people are saying about Keon Johnson. I don't know. I'm excited for hopefully there'll be opportunities to watch them and it'll be in a good way. <laughs> That's like the mid-April final game of the regular season. We clinched a play-in or playoff spot. These are the guys we're going to play type lineup. Totally. Plus, it just got me to be, be able to remind you about the 2022 Summer League champion because for some reason you haven't brought that up yet. And even though it was a really important storyline. Uh, did they hang a banner? Oh, I just had my picture taken with the trophy and the ring. So I, I don't, we don't have a banner up yet, but that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be one. I mean, they so, already have one championship. I don't know if they, you know, they should have put it in everybody's face. The war- yeah, I mean, look, the Warriors get ring night. Why don't the Blazers? <laughs> Mine, you will not be surprised to know, includes basically a small, like a non-traditional center look. I want to see Jeremy Grant, Trenton Watford, Josh Hart, Gary Payton II, and Dame. And my thought process there is just give me Watford's TBD, but I think if Grant's on the court and so is Hart and GP2, just give me four guys who could really defend and let Dame cook. Let's just see where, let's just see where this goes. Do you have enough shooting on there so they won't just like send four guys onto Dame? I think you need Gary Payton the second to shoot as well from three as he did last year. I'm fine with Grant as sort of a spot up shooter. Wofford Was Hart is, in that lineup? What's that? Is Hart, Hart in that lineup? Yeah, and he's like, I think yeah, Josh he Hart. Shoot. If they were, yeah, he could shoot, but he's like the king of. He shoots worse from three than you think. Because he's built as like this three and D guy, and every year it just seems like he's under thirty five percent or whatever. But I would just give me Dame plus all defense, and if you don't think Wofford's going to be good enough, you have Winslow to throw in there. But that would give you even probably even less shooting at this point. I trust Wofford more than I trust Winslow on offense. This can change depending on the matchup. But who would be your go to crunch time unit for this team? 
You're right. I mean, it, it depends on the the matchup and it depends on like who's playing center, I think is, is the biggest thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Gary Payton is in there. So we have Dame and then maybe Gary Payton to just hound whoever it is that, it, you know, if it's a crunch time situation, you need somebody who's just going to go he's, get up. And he's somebody wearing shirt. their skin. Yeah. He's wearing right. their skin. Um, so Dame and Gary, and then, um, you know, Nas maybe for rebounding. Okay. Um, and then kind of the rest sort of depends on who's playing center. Like if it's a big center, then we need Yusuf in there. And just who does he play best with? Is he playing best with Jeremy Grant? Is he playing better with, you know, Justice? I'm not sure who, like who that for is. But then if it's a somebody else who's playing a smaller lineup, I think we will see uh, Jeremy Grant and, um, you know, possibly Hart or Justice. I do think, though, that if they're in a situation where they're subbing for offense and defense, they're going to get Nurkic in there for for the defense. Um because just sitting Nurk completely at the end of the game seems a little risky on his psyche. I, I was about to ask, do <laughs> you think that they're that Chauncey Billups is sort of bold enough to play with Nurkic's minutes like that to where even if the matchup, you know, in the playoffs, it's one thing, but like if it's regular season game in January, do you really want to deal with the politics of pulling your starting center that you just paid a bunch of money over the offseason for a game in crunch time? Because I looked at it as I was actually surprised that you and it makes sense though when you're talking about the matchups but i viewed them as having just like we view them as having four starter locks i just penciled in simons dame nurk and grant will always be on the floor for their closing unit and so i guess you see that there might be more fungibility in the front court for them i mean i think so i think it but it is going to be risky and it's going to have to be a conversation that the coach has already had previous you know um i don't think it's something that you want to just pull in the middle of the game of be like oh yeah you're not you're not finishing out, but I'll, you know, we, we shall see, but I don't think it's necessarily a given if they have, if they're playing against a fast athletic group that they need to catch up to um, or that they need to score on, yeah. then um, I think it's possible. It does feel like most of the changes would come in the front court where I'd be fairly surprised if, if you're getting into timeouts, offense, defense, I get it, but like Damon Simons, are just going to be tethered to the floor in crunch time. And then you can play, I think, between GP2, Hart, Little, Nurkic, Grant. Those are five options to fill the final three spots, and maybe you just sort of you know, pull the strings as, as you may, depending on the matchup there. You had Simons in your closing lineup. I think I left him out. Do you think that that is like just something that they just would not be willing to do? Like, we just paid all this guy all this money. We're not going to not have him close. Because I just feel like... If I was going to choose in a crunch situation between Simons and um, like, I want somebody just playing that hounding defense. I think it to me, it would be, I mean, did they, what were they doing with CJ? I think they would approach and it's tough because Billups didn't really get that opportunity given all the injuries and stuff. Uh, I would, I think he would be locked in for me and it would be more likely that they try to downsize to the point of GP two Simons Dame. Then we're not going to play Simons at all, but uh, I mean, maybe you're right too, though. I just can't envision them giving Simons a hundred million dollars and then being like, you know what? Why don't you take a seat during the most important seconds of the game? And I think you're also right. And I like completely forgot that like Gary Payton isn't necessarily a guard. So like he could be in there. He's a whatchamacallit. I think yeah. that's his official position. <laughs> he's the defender. <laughs> he's the primary defender. The mitten, on, he's which is on actually ball. a fantastic nickname, by the way. It's right. not very creative because his dad was a glove, but when you hear the mitten, you do kind of laugh. 
Oh, so I actually had on my podcast, uh, Devon Pouncey, who used to play a, he's a local sports guy um, here in town. And he used to play um, AAU with Gary Payton and they played on like Gary Payton's team, like the Gary Payton senior team. And I asked him about Gary Payton's preferred nickname. And apparently um, uh, he does not, he's not a fan of mittens. He likes young glove. I, I don't like Young Glove, but I don't think you get to choose your own nickname. But if he doesn't like the Mitten, then we stop calling him the Mitten. That's where I fall on is. He doesn't get to pick, but if he doesn't like something. Like, I, I don't know if he came anymore. up with Young Glove, but he likes Young Glove better than Mitten. I don't Although like I agree Young that is really, First of all, he's like, he's like 30. So, like, you don't get to be called Young Glove anymore. I guess in, <laughs> in comparison to your dad, sure. Do you like Young Glove? I like what he, I like, I would rather call him what he prefers to be called because I could see how mittens might rub him the wrong way. Like, you know, it took him a while to get where he was getting. He's not very big. Um, you know, he's always in his dad's shadow. I could see how it just might like rub him the wrong way. And he just doesn't want to be called that. I, so I don't know synonyms for glove and mitten. Like I'm out <laughs> after that. So I just Googled it and we could call him the gauntlet. god that's genius so everybody has to run the gauntlet yeah there you go so that's the uh, the other ones are bad there's muff that could turn terribly that would be so bad uh and the other one is gauge which i did not know was a synonym for glove but hmm. i don't mind the gauntlet i like it better than young glove i'll say that right now yeah yeah we're recording this and as we record this their win total is set at 39.5 are you smashing the over or the under on that right now? And where do you sort of see them stacking up in the larger picture of the West? I mean, it being fall, of course, I'm hitting the over. Um, also, Damian Lillard is coming back. Like earlier in the summer, it was like ridiculously low. And I think they're getting to a more reasonable over under. So, I mean, I think uh, the West is, you know, I, all these other teams getting better. Is, <laughs> yes, it is. And all these other teams getting better is super annoying. So for once in my life, I'm grateful for the jazz. Um, <laughs> but I think that realistically, um, I think they're probably high plan or very low, not plan like six or seven. Um trying to be realistic and trying to be somewhat optimistic about it. You know, there's always the chance that they could be four. Like for some reason, four is always like, you know, fourth in the West, but I just think somewhat optimistically, I would go with uh, seven or six, given the fact that these guys might take a little while to gel. They're still getting to know the new coach. The, the GM has come out and said, we're, we're not as good as we could be still. So that was like an incredibly refreshing thing, you know, to say too. But, um, you know, they're never out with Damian Lillard. They're always going to do better. As long as you have Damian Lillard, they're always going to do better than what people think they're going to do. I'm with you in that. If if they're relatively healthy for the year, 39.5 does sound seem low because, like, they're, they're top seven guys and certainly they're top six guys, depending on how you feel about Nas Little. But, like, certainly their top six are really good. Like, the top six, seven of these guys can be really good. And so if you have concerns about their depth or you think someone else is going to get injured – uh, 39.5 does, I have to go through and do mine for the entire league. And I've been hitting me over on every single podcast, but <laughs> just sort of like where I don't expect the Kings to be great, but their over under feels really low. I have the blazers in my head around like 500 or a little bit over that, in which case like 39.5 just feels a touch too low for them. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's where I am. Um, like Damian Lord can't do it all. And it's potentially, he has a lot more help, but until I actually see it, I'm not ready to like go like, yeah, they're going to come in fourth in the West right now. I'm going to hold it. You know, you can go over, but not by a ton. And I don't want to be too rosy, but like you can show a ton of progress for the future and still not wind up too high in the standings this year. Just looking at how many teams are there are 11 teams in the West that are chasing a playoff spot. And some of them, there's like a bunch of them that have the potentials to win 50 plus games. So is there anything I didn't ask you about with regards to this team that you think we need to discuss? I feel like we covered a lot. Um, I'm still, I know that you always, um, uh, want to know what I've learned about, you know, pets. And I am trying very hard to find out if the new players who've been added to the game have any pets, but I'm afraid I don't have any information on that. Um, we did talk about how we've got some extremely fashionable uh, Jeremy Grant. So I'm really excited to see if that's going to, the rest of the team's going to step up their uh, game in terms of tunnel uh, walks. These are the kinds of things I think about. <laughs> I know they're, maybe they're not what you think about, but yeah, I, I'll just say I have no idea what this team is going to look like. And I just really hope that like, 10 games in, I'll have a better idea and I won't be still going, what are they doing? That I'll be able to be like, oh, I can see where we're headed. They have like the potential, like there are some sneaky good, like between Dame and Jeremy Grant and even Nurk, they might have some like fashionistas on this team. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, Keon Johnson is, you know, he's a young fella, but he's got high aspirations. He's already got a deal. He's actually a big fisherman. And so he has a deal with like a fishing brand for fishing outfits. I mean, so he's going to show cool. up in like the overall cargo or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. How cool is that? So, uh, yeah, no, I just think, I think there's like sort of this huge sigh of relief that whatever we're calling last year is over. We're turning the page. We have the team in place. Now it's up to them to go learn like what the new kind of basketball is going to look like. And, you know, to work, you know, to have Damian Lillard back is just, it's so great. I, I can't wait to have them back. And like 25% of the roster has new abs. Like how can you all be optimistic <laughs> about the Blazers? Tara, this was fantastic as always. In case anybody skipped the intro, are you able to tell our listeners where they can find you and the podcast that you're putting out? Yes, I am on Twitter at TCBBIGGS. That has two B's and two G's. And the We Have a Take podcast is on Twitter at We Have a Take, and it's wherever you get podcasts. I just want to echo that Tara is really fun to follow, but the We Have a Take podcast is a breath of fresh air relative to typical NBA coverage. So go check that out. Thank you as always, Tara. You know by now I will be spamming your DMs at some point in the future. But thank you so much for all the time that you always give me. Thank you for having me.